That's Josh Snodgrass, Just a Closer Walk with Thee, from his album Hymns from an Old Country Church. Anyway, this is Chris Best uh, from the Living Well class of Midtown Baptist Temple, and we are in our second John series, and we begin week five this morning. So welcome. If you're with us live, uh, good to see everybody. If you're joining us online, then welcome to you also. Know that you're always welcome to, jo- to, to come join us in the Annex East at 1045 at Midtown Baptist Temple. So you want to come for the 9 a.m. main service and then and then come on out to the Annex for our Living Well class. The, w- the way we do things in Living Well is, is we have some fellowship time, then we'll have some a shortened uh, teaching time because you just sat through an hour of, ex- of expository preaching. And so then what we want to do in Living Well is to do what you can't do by yourself and do what you can't do sitting in the middle of the congregation. Now, this morning, that is one particular aspect, one personal application of of, uh, the passage today. So let's just jump right into it. Last week, by way of review, we we realized that that the truth is in us. So knowing what is in us, that is knowing our spiritual anatomy, helps us to understand the spiritual physiology. That is how it all works. And then the pathology, what can go wrong? So we we nerded out a little bit medically last week, but what we saw is the truth is in us, and the result of that is we're going to love one another. And it's just the nature of the truth. And, And the truth is amazing, and the truth is awesome. And the fact that it's in us should just blow our minds a little bit. Anyway, this week... We're going to be in 2 John chapter 3. And what we see in 2 John chapter 3 is we have something of a benediction here. And uh, let me let me pull it up and, and we'll read the verse together. So 2 John chapter 3, there's only one chapter, so it's not 2 John chapter 3, just 2 John verse 3. Grace be with you, mercy and peace, from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth, and in love. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We do believe that we do have your word. We believe, God, that we are your people, and your spirit will show us the things that we need to see. So we just ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So by way of introduction, this morning as I left my house, I checked my pockets. I checked for wallet, glasses, keys, phone. Okay, my glasses weren't in my pocket, but but wallet, phone, and keys. Those are the three things that I need to make sure I have with me because life just doesn't make sense if I don't have them. I mean, I know I have them as in I own them. I, I you know, they are my possessions, but I don't always have them in my possession. I don't always have them with me. And, and so, you know, my wallet, that's, that has my currency. That has my identification. And should I get stopped or should I need to buy gas? Without my wallet, I'm in trouble. My phone. My phone helps me connect and communicate. And then my keys give me access. You know, I have a car, but if I don't have my keys, I, I, I can't run my car. I have an office, but without my keys, I can't get in there. The door just locks automatically. So life doesn't make sense. And it's the same thing for you. you. You check when you leave the house for your wallet, for your phone, for your keys, for your glasses, for your hearing aid, for your purse, for, for whatever it is that, that you take with you that, that you need to not just own, but you need it on your person. And so here we have this benediction, and it's very familiar. As you read through your New Testament, you're going to see over and over and over again 
grace be with you, peace be with you, and then sometimes we get mercy. Mercy is for the pastoral epistles, and then mercy we have here also in this epistle. And and um, why is it repeated over and over and over? Grace be with you, mercy and peace. And so there's a couple things that, that we need to understand, and, and that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning. And the first one is that we, you know, we do have these things. But that doesn't mean you have it with you. You know, the benediction isn't, oh, I'm, I'm, I, you need to be a recipient of grace. No, grace needs to be with you. And then the second thing I want to point out, and this will help us this morning, is, you know, your King James Bible grammar. The you in Second John chapter 3, grace be with you, that is, mercy and peace from God the Father. Okay, that you is plural. You're, the Y's in your King James Bible are plural. So you and ye and yours. Those are plural. The T's are singular. Thou, thee, and thine. So, you know, this this benediction, grace be with you. We 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 could think of it this way. Grace be with y'all. With with the whole group of you. Okay. So this this thing to understand is that you know, we need to have grace with us as a group. It's not just you as an individual that this is written to. So I do thank God for the specificity of the, you know, the King James Bible, and we get insights like this. And so so think about this. We've received these things individually. But, 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 that doesn't mean we have it as a group. For those things to be with us as a group, okay, well, that requires... Us showing grace one to another, being merciful one to another, being at peace with one another. And I would just remind you of something that you already know, that the church is not a building. The church is not a service. The church is a group of people. Okay, and then lastly, before we get into it, you know, I'm just going to present this from the beginning. What you've received in Christ should have changed you. Okay, so so if you've received great grace from God, well, you know, you, you probably ought to be a gracious person. If you've received great love, well, you know, you ought to be a loving person, right? Okay, with that, let's get into this. Number one, first of all, in regards to grace, well, we have it. Grace is God's unmerited love and goodness to us, giving us good things that we don't deserve. Okay, if we're trying to earn it, then it's not grace anymore. Grace is unearned or unmerited love and goodness. It's just the nature of God to love and extend good things to his children. Now, this includes our salvation. It also includes our spiritual gifts. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Those verses right there in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 7 and 8 relate the grace of God being measured out as spiritual gifts to God's people. 1 Corinthians 12 7 says it this way, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. What that means is that every single believer, okay, every single one of us, has the Spirit of God and has been gifted by God in such a way, these are the spiritual gifts we talk about, been gifted by God to profit with all. That means you're going to join everyone else 
and with all, with, with everyone else, your gift is meant to profit the body. So no one can say, well, I'm not gifted of God. No, you are. The Bible says so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. And, and no one can say, well, I'm really, really awesome in and of myself. No, no, no. What you have that's helpful to the rest of us, and I do thank God for you, and you are helpful to the rest of us, but what you have that is helpful to the rest of us has been given to you by God. Okay, so the question isn't, do we have it? No, we do have God's grace. We all know that. The question is, do we have it with us? Okay, so it's possible to receive God's grace, but to receive it in vain. All right, now, we've already talked about the grace of God includes our salvation and our spiritual gifts. So to receive God's grace in vain, well, that means you've received salvation and you've received spiritual gifts, but then... Maybe you're not extending it. Maybe you're not profiting with all. And, and there's a couple things. Through, through a lack of blamelessness, this can happen. And also through a lack of service, this can happen. So 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same. So whatever gift you received, go ahead and take that gift. And then minister or, or serve would be another word, serve the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So there's another verse that relates your spiritual gift to the grace that you've received. And then, of course, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 says, We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God, in vain and then if we if we jump forward to verse 3 giving no offense in anything that the ministry should not be blamed but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience and afflictions and necessities and distresses and he goes on through basically saying whatever situation you have yourself in we ought to be servants we ought to be ministers of God and we ought to behave ourselves in a way that's blameless if we don't do that then we have the grace of God in vain. We've received salvation, we've received, spirit, we've received spiritual gifts, but we're not willing to do anything with it. Okay, so then for us as a group, we need to make sure we're serving one another, we're behaving ourselves in a way that, that doesn't cause harm to the body of Christ, but, but rather reflects on who the Lord is. Okay, so that's grace. Next is mercy. Okay, so same thing with mercy. The question is, isn't, do we have it? Okay, because mercy is God's compassion on us. We could say it this way. Mercy is, is God not giving us the judgment that we deserved. So we know that, that God himself, Christ in the flesh, took our wrong at the cross of Calvary, extending mercy to us. 2 Corinthians 4.1 it says, therefore, seeing we have, we have received this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. So we have received mercy. We know that. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time were not a people, but are now the people of God. That, that's us, church which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You have mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Okay, so mercy, we know we have it. The question isn't, you know, do you have keys? Do you own them? The question is, do you have them with you? Same thing here. 
So a good illustration of, of, of you know, someone who receives mercy but doesn't show mercy is found in Matthew chapter 18. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to look at verse 21 down through verses 35. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. And then here, here's our lesson. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. Okay. Guys, 10,000 talents, it would take you thousands and thousands of years working full-time to pay that back. That is a debt of all debts. There is no way this guy is going to pay that. So, when the king did the math, he, he realized that, and, and he's just going to take his losses and have this guy sold into some sort of indentured servitude and his wife and his children and He'd get something out of it. But Matthew chapter 18, verse 26, the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him his debt. Oh my goodness, what a compassionate king. Verse 28, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. So, you know, that's a month or two's income. That's, that's not nothing. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow ser servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Wow, okay. But... Verse 30 says, and he would not, he did not forgive him. He wasn't patient, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorrow and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then the Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldst not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him unto the uh, tormentors that he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one, every one his brother their trespasses. And so just understand this. The servant of the king who received great compassion was really expected by the fellow servants and by the king himself to likewise show compassion. In other words, the compassion he received was supposed to turn him into a compassionate person. The question isn't, believer, have you received mercy? The question is, do you have it with you? Are you going to be merciful to others when they need your compassion and not your judgment? Finally, we have peace. Okay, number one, we, we do have peace. That's, that's the point. We have it. 
So peace is a spiritual state. It's a rightness with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, you know Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, and so on. So if you are walking in the Spirit, then, then peace is evident in your life. It's a spiritual state. But that spiritual state, that's not all. That spiritual state of an individual, it becomes a social state amongst believers as a group. The word peace in our New Testament is also defined as to be set as one, like as in unity, rest and quietness. Those verses are found in Acts 7.26, 9.31, and 24.2, all in the book of Acts. So the question isn't, do we have peace? We, we know we have peace. The question is, do we have peace with us? And we need to maybe think about this. Man's natural ways, okay, naturally, mankind is going to strive for his own selfish gain, you know, self-promotion, self-protection, self-provision, and so on. But that's not God's way. Okay, so, so 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says to the church at Corinth, who was an immature church, he says, And I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying, strife, divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? So Paul is pointing out the immaturity, the carnality, the, 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 you know, they're still functioning in the flesh. That's what that carnal is. Okay, so they've not yet grown spiritually to start thinking and living and acting and loving God's way. And so they have these things, the envy, the strife, and the division. Well, that's kind of the opposite of peace. Okay, so they've received peace. They have peace with God, according to Romans 5, chapter 5, verse 1. If they walk in the Spirit, they're going to have peace, but they're not spiritual, they're carnal. So the question isn't, do they have peace, as in, have they received it? The question is, do they have it with them? Let me, let me, let me go to Colossians chapter 3 and, and look at verses 14 and 15. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which ye, oh, there it is, ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Okay, so, so the group is called to peace as one body, plural. Okay, well, what about the times I'm offended? Okay, well, Psalm 119, verse 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. The more spiritual we get, the more we just realize we're, we're dead anyway. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. As a dead man walking, I, I'm pretty hard to offend, and if I can remember that, if I can remember that, it's easier to, to live at peace and to not be offended. First Thessalonians 5.12 says, We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and, and admonish you. So, so 
as your pastor, don't be mad at me because you don't like what I said or how I said it or, you know, the ways in which I misstepped or misspoke or offended you. But also be at peace amongst yourselves. The next verse says, esteem them very highly for their work's sake and be at peace amongst yourselves. Well, then how are we supposed to deal with issues? Okay, well, here we go. The next verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. So, you know, when I left my house this morning, I needed to make sure I had the things with me that I own. But, you know, if the things that if I don't have with me, my life doesn't make sense. I didn't bring everything I own with me when I left the house. I didn't bring my cat. You know, I, I didn't bring my extra pair of shoes. I, I didn't bring my curtain. No, I, I don't bring everything with me, but there are certain things I have to have with me for life to function. And this is why over and over and over in our New Testaments, we're told grace, peace be with you, mercy. Why? Because life doesn't make sense for us as a group without it. The church is not a building. It's not a service. It's a group of people. And this is why you need a Sunday fellowship. Check this out. You can't just have peace amongst yourself. You need to have peace amongst others. Well, you know, if I just stay home and I never interact with others, then I don't ever have to have grace and mercy and peace. Well, that's true, but then you don't ever get to obey God, and you don't have fellowship with him in that way. That is not what you are called to. You are called to lay down your life, lay down your rights. You've received great grace. Now show grace. You've received great mercy. Now be merciful. You've received great peace with God. I'm so thankful for that. Good. Now live peaceably with others. And here's key point number one. We need to be changed by what we have received. You have received love. Listen, be loving. You've received peace. Be peaceable. Okay. Hard-heartedness is a kind of unbelief that comes from seeing God's works, but not knowing his ways. In the handout for this morning, I've got some passages, Mark 6, 51 and 52, and then Hebrews 3, verses 1 through 12, which describe this hard Hardness, as having seen God's works, but not knowing his ways. But I, I'm not going to go there because we've already seen this, this king's servant who received mercy but wasn't merciful. So we've already got our illustration from this morning. But if you need more information, go to those passages. Key point number two. The chorus, the, the sayings, the things that people say who... who do not have grace, mercy, and peace. Okay, here it is. It's not my job to serve. Well, he owes me something. He offended me. Okay, those are things we all think. Now, normally we don't say them out loud, you know. But if we fail to bring grace, mercy, and peace with us, that's how we tend to think, because that's how we think carnally. But we must die to that. Okay, so... So that makes sense. Uh, we can all give maybe, you know, intellectual assent to that. But but what does it actually look like practically? Let me help you with some things. Number one, no conditions. Live your life without conditions. Okay, so that means I'm going to love you even if you don't love me back. It means I'm going to show you grace even if you don't show me grace. I'm going to show you mercy even if you don't show me mercy. I'm going to 
try to live peaceably with you, even if you don't live peaceably with me. And, and the only reason I can do this is because I'm just willing to die to my rights, die to being treated fairly, and I can just try to be Christ-like because Christ took the wrong. He didn't come down and love conditionally. He loved unconditionally. Number two, no demands. Okay, so I hear sometimes people will imply that, you know, if I'm willing to meet their conditions and demands, then they'll get involved in the ministry. Well, look, that's always just going to limit you. If we can just live our life without demanding everyone do things our way all the time, well, then, then I can show grace and mercy. I can live at peace because... You know, you don't have to meet my demands for us to be friends. Okay, number three, no expectations. So don't you know that you get frustrated and your frustrations come from unmet expectations? Well, the problem was you had these expectations anyway when you didn't even know what the Lord was going to do. You know what you hoped, you know what you thought, and maybe you had built it up in your mind that now that it didn't work out, there's this grief called frustration. But really, if we can just go through life with a whatever, whenever, wherever, however, Lord, I'll do it. Before you even tell me, God, my answer is yes, I don't have expectations. Well, then we're not going to have frustrations. We'll just be willing to do whatever the Lord would have us to do. Next, no anticipated favors. You know, I, I served and nobody said thank you. You know what? They should have said thank you. You're right, but don't let it ruin your day. Don't do what you do because you anticipate favors. You know, I walked in the room and nobody stood up and saluted. Well, okay, come on, really? You know, and then the last one is no grudges. You can't live at peace with people if you're going to hang on to grudges and take offenses and take everything personally and just really be wrong, then sometimes it's really hard. I'll, I'll confess, I'll admit, sometimes it's really hard to give up that victim status and just let go and say, you know what? I'm sure it was just an oversight, a mistake. I'm not going to take it personally. I'm, I'm going to think the best of this person. I'm going to think that they're for me and I'm for them. And, you know, they didn't intentionally say that thing or do that thing and just let it go. Forgive and forbear, even as God, for Christ's sake has forgiven me. And so I've put those in alphabetical orders for you, if, if in case you missed it, conditions, demands, expectations, favors, and grudges. If we can just be broken, you know, the, the breaking of the outer man and the release of the spirit, Watchman Nee said, and just live broken and contrite without all those things related to self, we can just be at peace. Okay, key point number three. Just like you're, you're in the habit of checking for wallet, phone, and keys when you leave your house, you need to get into the habit of checking for grace, mercy, and peace. So before you come into this room next week, before you you you, you enter the body, the, 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 the congregation, the assembly next week, you ought to check at the door and make sure you've got grace with you. That means you're going to show others unmerited favor and goodness and love. Okay, do you got your mercy with you? That means you're not going to overlook other people's difficulties, even if it's their fault. To be merciful, compassionate, full of pity. Make sure you've got that. And then finally, peace. Are you willing to take the wrong? Will you let things go and live peaceably with all men? With those things in place, we can be a fellowship that reflects who God is. We can be, will it be at peace one with another? 
grace, mercy, love, truth will just be abundant. It'll be a beautiful, beautiful thing. And here, let me just repeat this. You can't do this by yourself. This is why you need to come be part of a fellowship. Because you need someone to show grace to so you can become Christ-like. You need someone that you can show mercy to. And you need someone that you can die to self and be at peace with so that you can have fellowship with Christ at that level. Because you can't do that by yourself. And you can't do that just sitting in the middle of a congregation of a few hundred people. So listen, anyway, that's it for today. I love you. I thank God for you. Uh, grace, peace, and mercy be with you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.